Hello fellow art lovers, welcome to Creative Kaleidoscope. I'm your host, Russell Dunn. On today's episode, we have some in-depth conversations with some of the artists we had a chance to meet at C2E2 Comic Con in Chicago. Also on today's episode, we are going to explore a new painting medium for me, the airbrush. Before we get into the interviews, let's get our paint on. All right, so I'm taking my airbrush out of my 50-50 mixture of airbrush cleaner and water, and I'm using some paper towel and a toothbrush to clean off any old excess paint that has been used in the airbrush. Just kind of clean the inside of it. Normally, you know, you might want to take it apart and really give it a good scrubbing, but no worries there. Now I am attaching the airbrush to the hose and compressor. Fire up the compressor, make sure that you got some air, clean off your workspace, and we're gonna put something in there and test it out. Got the opaque black, shake it up, put it in the container top, and a couple little test sprays. Yep, make sure you got your, your test sprays and everything is going good, smoothly. And now I'm gonna start my abstract painting because, you know, I just wanna get the feel of this airbrush and kinda see how the lines work, see how the, the spray is. And you just kinda push down on the trigger and you pull it back and however far you pull it back will show you how much paint is coming out. That's the regulation of the paint. Also, you can change the pressure on your compressor if you've got a regulator on it. Um, usually I do it around 35 PSI, I believe it is, 35 to 40. And I'm just kind of touching up the tops and sides of the canvases. You just want to always make sure you do the sides of those canvas if you're working on a stretch canvas. And you can see there, that's a nice thick line I have opened the trigger up a lot wider than on the front of the canvas because I'm just trying to get a nice thick opaque splotch on the canvas. And you can see Jackson in the background there munching away. And I'm just continuing to work some lines in with the black on the first layer and just kind of how I want it. Now I've put some fluorescent purple in there and just kind of filling in some of the spaces there between the black base layer lines and just kind of trying to build that initial layer to start with and just working it and just nice easy easy sprays and right now we're just kind of there's no pattern involved here not, nothing really nothing really popping out at me so I'm just kind of getting used to the airbrush, seeing how the different colors look, how the paint interacts on the canvas, how the airbrush feels in your hand. It's a lot different than using a brush or even, you know, an aerosol can. And now I'm just going with the deep blue, again, opaque deep blue. Airbrush paints have transparent, fluorescent, opaque, pearlescent, a bunch of different options you can you can get a bunch of different paint options basically 
the cheapest place to get your paint. It's probably Amazon, or you know, if you get lucky, you can go to Michael's and on a good deal day. Which actually, a bunch of the paint that I've I've found the paint that I like the most so far is the Testers brand paint. Um, it seems to work smoothest in my airbrush. And the airbrush I'm using is a Badger Patriot. Badger brand and Patriot's the model. And now I'm going over it with some, I believe, pearlescent blue. Just kind of working in some different designs. You know, this is going to be a very abstract piece just because I want to just get the feel and get comfortable with the airbrush. You know, comfort with your medium is very important. So, this is really just to get the feel of things. And the airbrush is a lot of fun to use because you can really do your details, your shading, your depth, everything very easily with the airbrush because you can regulate the paint thickness, the width of your lines just by how close or how far you are away from the canvas or whatever you're working on and how much you're pulling that trigger back. When you push the trigger down it just releases air and that's how you kind of know that it's working and then you push down and pull back and then if you just pull it back a little, a little bit of paint comes out. And if you pull it back far, you get big thick blasts of paint. And now I'm just kind of trying to find some unique lines or spots to keep working in with different colors. And that's the old boy Jackson in the back there. He's a good dog. He's my painting buddy. He hangs out with me while I paint. Their brush kind of freaks him out a little bit. But now I'm adding some more of the fluorescent purple. And I like to use the fluorescent colors because they do show up very well with the black light and kind of make things pop a bit more. I, I like to use the fluorescent colors. I've also found that I really like to use the pearlescent colors because when you put those colors out in the sunlight wow they look fantastic and now I'm just working some white in there kind of trying to figure out you know some cool designs you know kind of accent some of the other lines and shapes that I'm seeing from before a lot of times the goal is if you just start out with something that's just totally random kind of look for something in the randomness and every once in a while you'll get really lucky and you'll find something and build on it. I thought I was getting lucky a few times in here but you know I just wanted to really keep it as abstract as possible. There's a few times where I saw a few things in the abstractness, I guess, if you will, and was going to try and build on it. And I just decided to stay really abstract with it all. And 
just kind of work in the different accents with the white and you can see there there's a thicker blast of the white just kind of working it around and really you can get a feel of you know a steady hand with it once you get the airbrush going it does help you steady your hand at least it has for me and the closer you get you know with with the airbrush the tighter your lines will be and the farther you're away the wider the lines will be and I'm just kind of doing some squiggles and just messing around with the white and the white's kind of really kind of giving it the defining lines that I want for my background I'm trying to see what I see. If I see anything popping out at me in the in the shapes. But nothing yet. I thought maybe I saw a tentacle or some eyeballs and it's like no, not quite. I'm just gonna keep it abstract. And just keep working in the different paint colors. But right now I'm just really working in that white. And sometimes you will put more paint in your canister or the top part of your, I guess your paint hopper, I guess what you'd call it, than you need. And if that's the case, then I like to keep an empty water bottle or a big cup or something that I can just spray out that excess paint, that excess paint, excuse me. If I don't use it all but you really want to try to use it all because airbrush paint isn't as cheap as other paints I mean no paint is really that cheap I mean you can get very basic acrylic paints for you know 55 cents or something at Walmart but you know that's basically paint that they would use in schools and things like that elementary schools or even high schools you know some of the paints aren't bad and you can actually use some of those acrylic paints if you reduce them down with paint reducer or even water and they'll actually spray through the airbrush but I prefer airbrush paint with my airbrush it's just much nicer and even sometimes airbrush paint can be a little thick and you'll have to reduce it with paint reducer as well. But I'm still just working in the white. Kind of making some squiggly random lines. I really am just trying to get the feel of the different paints on top of one another with the airbrush, the feel of the airbrush handle, the trigger distance, all of that. And we're going to take it back to the studio and we'll be back here in just a minute. Well, that is definitely a new feeling for me, but it sure is a lot of fun. We're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side with this week's first guest.
low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version, yeah? I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek approved. I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, Podquesters, where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic sweeping adventure where we try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on NewRadioMedia.com Fridays, Podquesters. See you there. Hey, you guys, it's Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on new radio media. Turtle power! Welcome back. Last week, the new radio media crew took a trip to downtown Chicago for C2E2 Comic-Con. There we had a chance to speak with some of the most amazing artists in the entertainment industry, as well as some extremely talented up-and-comers. One of the artists I was most excited to have a conversation with was Shane Lewis. His style and presentation of his subject matter is something that is totally eye-catching and very unique. Let's take a look at that interview. And we are back here on Creative Kaleidoscope at C2E2 in Chicago Comic-Con here with artist Shane Lewis. Shane Lewis, how was your con, man? Uh, guy, it's been awesome so far, man. Um, Chicago's been great to us. This is our first year at C2E2, and um, I, it really couldn't have gone much better. We had a, just a record Friday, and everyone's just... It's been really great. As cliche as it sounds, the vibes have been really, really good this weekend. So, you know, it's been awesome. Definitely, man, definitely. So. I was checking out your website this weekend in a little bit, and I noticed when I was on the About You page, it says it all started with a skull. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, like, growing up, like, I was always that dude, like, drawing monsters in my notebook, and I grew up kind of in, a, like, a rural area where, like, it wasn't really known you could have a career in art. Like, I kind of just thought, well, I'm probably going to eventually become an engineer or something, just like my dad or whatever, and so I used to draw all the time growing up, and... A couple of my buddies would be like, oh, dude, I love that skull. And eventually one of them was like, hey, can I have that? I'm like, well, you, know, you can buy it. And they gave me like, I don't know, like a quarter or like a dollar. And I'm like, man, so wait a minute. So you can actually make money doing this. And then, you know, I drew forever. And then like a lot of people I found Photoshop and I stopped drawing for a while because I got obsessed with that. And then when I got into college, I randomly took a drawing class and uh, got me back into it. And I've been doing it for about five years now. So it's been pretty great. Nice. So five years professionally then. Yeah, five yeah. years professionally. And yeah, I just recently went um, full time doing this. Um, before I did this full time, I was a, um, ad, uh, an art director at an ad agency. So I kind of have that background in design. And um, I recently went full time doing the kind of art director, freelancer, boutique kind of style agency, which has been awesome right. to kind of do my own thing and give everything that style you know 
At what point do you go out and you say, I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to go and I'm going to do this like myself. This is what I'm going to do from now on. Well, it kind of got to this point where, um, you know, I was working in the ad agency um, world, which is, you know, usually on salary. And I was working 60 to 70 hours a week there and then working another 40 to 50 on this stuff on top of it every week. And it kind of got to a point where I realized I wasn't enjoying anything. I was just kind of just doing the work. Um, and then my work got to a point where the illustration just really started to kind of take off and I got a handful of really good clients. I do a lot of book layout with a really great company called um, 1984 Publishing. Right on. I actually just did a book for the uh, Mondo artist Gary Poulin, cool. who just couldn't be a nicer guy, which has just been great. So it's been very cool to be able to kind of like do my illustration stuff and also kind of pull in some of that agency stuff and be able to kind of pick the projects that I like to do as opposed to, you know, when I was at an agency, it was like, oh, you know, here's another sell sheet for a tire, you know, and as, as thrilling as that is, it's a lot cooler to design a book for my hero artist or, you know, make something cool and make it look like I, uh, like I made it as opposed to what other people want to see, you know. Now, like, what are some characters and stuff or, like, even artists that really, you know, get you going, some, like, inspiration, I guess, influences? Yeah. Um, a lot of my influences, so I'm very influenced by, obviously, I've got a very etched style, so I'm very influenced by um, a lot of older artists like Aldrich Durr. Um, I like a lot of the, the mannerist stuff, when that, that's when a lot of like style developed right after the Renaissance. But I'm also really big into a lot of modern poster artists. Um, Aaron Horky is probably my number one influence. Um, that guy can do lines across etching better than anyone. Um, I've always liked his stuff a lot. Really, Mondo's what kind of got me into that poster realm. So it's been a been a great experience, and I love I love checking out everyone's art. So yeah, yeah man, definitely. Um, so I know you're talking about you know pencil and ink, and then also getting into Photoshop and the digital landscape and whatnot. Like, what's your particular? What would you say like your favorite medium to create with is? Um, probably pen and ink. I, like almost all my pieces start off with pen and ink. At least my prints do. Um, there, there's something kind of like meditative about it, especially the way I go about it, because it just takes so many little lines to do. It kind of gives me, it's like cathartic, like I get to sit there and kind of work through the events of the day and just figure things out. And, and I'm starting to get to this point where um, where I, I've kind of developed this my own way of doing cross-hatching, so I'm kind of like moving this direction, trying to find another new way to do something. So Right. Yep. And like your style is like definitely so detailed and so in depth how long does your average piece usually take you uh, so so each piece kind of goes through an interesting process it starts off I'll um, I'll do a very rough like blue drawing so it's just like a rough sketch like most artists do I'll build on top of that with another red pencil drawing and then I put another piece of fresh paper on top of that and do almost what I call an ink map mm -hmm. so I'll just do exactly the line work but in it with a mechanical pencil so mm -hmm. at that point I probably have about about 30 to 50 hours in, in, invested in it, depending how big it is, especially a big piece takes forever, obviously. Um, so then once I get that pencil map, I'll usually take it to inking. So for a bigger piece, it'll probably be about like 20 hours for me to finish the inking, which then I'll pull it into the computer and color it up. And to do the coloring, used to take me a lot longer, but lately I've kind of got a streamlined process going. So it takes, takes me about a day to get a color going and then I'll correct over the next couple days. Right on, so all of these pieces like that we're looking at are like I guess like a mixed media of digital and like traditional yeah yeah I, I try to keep um, I try to start off with an original inking just because it has that real grit feel so Absolutely. it feels like a real piece of art mm -hmm. and kind of like draws people in um, and then when I scan it in I try to not change as much as possible and just 
really not fool with it too much digitally because that just kind of, for my kind of art, it sucks the life out of my art because it, it's like people kind of seem to like that it has that little imperfections and those like mm -hmm. eccentricities you can see in everything. Yeah. So, cool. Now, do do you sell like just original like traditional pieces, or does everything have the digital twist to it? Um, I've been I've actually recently um, started doing a lot more original inkings. I'm actually working on a, pe a set right now for Gallery 1988 that's all non-pop culture inspired, which is actually something kind of new for me. Um, and they're all based on like growing up as a creative dude in a really rural area, which is you know it's kind of interesting sometimes when your school has to drive your tractor to school day and you don't own a tractor. It's always a good time. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm about to put out a set of prints that's going to be. Um, all original, you know, non-pop culture stuff. So yeah, nice. And you, where'd you grow up, man? Rural area. Um, I grew up in um, near Alliance, Ohio, which is out okay. on. Um, no one's gonna know where that is, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, like I said, people, you, man. Yeah, you, you know it, it, man. You know, you know, we're the nicest, meanest people. You know, we're, we're, yeah. <laughs> well, so one like. We do. I do a geek podcast too. We always ask, like, what would superpower you would you have? But on this show, I always ask if you had one word of like encouragement or advice to give to aspiring artists, what would it be? You know, like what I always tell people, and as as lame as it sounds, is it's like if you want to make something and you're like, man, like this is how I got started. I love Mondo posters, and I was like, I would, I love There Will Be Blood. That's my favorite movie. And I was sitting around my senior year of college, and I'm like. I want to make a Mondo poster. Mondo's not going to contact me. I'm just getting out of college. So I just went ahead and made it. And that was the poster that ended up getting me noticed when I posted it online and kind of started all of this. Um, so really, all I, I always just tell people, it's like, man, if you want to do something, just start doing it. As lame as it sounds and everyone says that, it's the truth. You just have to do it. You'll never get any farther unless you, you know, try. And I mean, it's painful and you'll, you know, when I started drawing again, when I restarted, it was... It was hard because like I had been better younger than I was when I restarted, but you know it's an upward hill climb and you just got to do what you got to do, man, and that's how you make things happen. Right on, man. Well, Shane, thank you so much yeah, for being man. on the show, man, and safe travels and have a great rest of your yeah, con, dude. Sure. Yeah, and um, if anyone's interested in following up on uh, my posters and art, my uh, Instagram handle is Shane Lewis Art, and you can also check out my full portfolio at www.shanelewis. Shane-Lewis.com. Yeah. Cool. Yep, check it out. It's definitely worth it. And thanks, man. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll keep messing with that airbrush. Stay tuned. It's all about you. And that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking and how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're going to have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. on NewRadioMedia.com. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. It's the simple thing. The things that are a testament to the old. 
the things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our community channel on newradiomedia.com. Low-budget movie version. 60s TV version. Early 2000s high school pseudo-adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version here. I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here, so listen up. Watch the Geektainment channel on NewRadioMedia.com. It's geek-approved. All right, let's see how that painting is coming along. And now I'm getting the rest of that excess paint out of my airbrush. And sometimes I'll run a little airbrush cleaner through it, but now I am adding in some fluorescent orange and going to fill in those some of those spots and spaces and just see what happens. Jackson's calming down, laying down in the background, relaxing with me while I paint. And just, the, you know, the fluorescent orange and the purple and the, the pearlescent blue do look very nice together. And I'm just gonna keep on spraying. I really haven't figured out a method to my madness yet in this painting. The next airbrush painting I'll do will will actually have some defined subject matter of some sort. Or that'll be the goal anyway. But this one is really just to get the feel of how the paints work, they look, how your lines are, how the paint flows through the brush. And you know, working with a tool like the airbrush handle, it's definitely different than your aerosol cans, than brush, your regular brush, than markers, pens, ink. It's a, it's a very fun tool to use. And you can actually get a pretty decent setup for relatively cheap. The only thing that I would not cheap out on is the actual handle itself. You can get a relatively inexpensive compressor and all of that um, online um, but I would spend the money and get you know a decent airbrush handle I've gotten a few cheap ones and they just they just don't last this one's lasted me a little bit again airbrush is pretty new to me but it's fun. And now we've switched up to the pearlescent purple, which is a color that I just think is fantastic, especially when you when you look at it in the sunlight. It just, it's remarkable in the sunlight. 
and just filling in different spaces and making new lines and you know again very abstract but I am liking how it's turning out and it's a lot of fun it's very soothing to just move the paint around and move different colors around and you know you don't really even need to have a method of the madness it's just fun therapeutic. Some music or an audiobook on in the background and just relax and and spray away. And you can do it indoors, which is also very nice. You know, it doesn't bother you or it doesn't bother me anyway. The paint fumes aren't very strong. It's not like working with the aerosol cans where you want to wear a mask and be in a very well ventilated area also the airbrush paint does dry very quickly so you're able to build on the layers one on top of another basically as long as your paint isn't too thick but again it does dry very quickly so if you make a mistake or you want to change something you better be ready with a rag or your paper towel and Take care of it. Got a little excess paint out of there, spraying it in my empty water bottle, and switching back up to some white. Test the sprayer, and just gonna work some lines back in. And some of the shapes that I saw before that I kind of liked and wanted to keep. And then also with those other colors, I kind of covered up some of the shapes that I didn't like. Or some of the lines that I didn't like. And you'll really get the feel of your airbrush and how the lines are and everything by doing a painting like this. You can work all different sorts of shapes and lines and see how they work together and you'll really get a nice feel for the airbrush medium. And just kind of working the white around to bring out the shapes that I like. And the closer you get, the tighter the lines. And the further you get, the wider the lines. Same goes with your trigger pressure, so remember that. And your regulator pressure. If your regulator is set too high, then you'll be blasting out paint too fast. And that just makes things harder to work with. That's why I like to work right around between 30 and 40 PSI on my regulator. Working those lines. Jackson's getting kind of bored. He's like, come on, I want to go for a walk. But it's time to paint, Jackson. Come on. And emptying that excess paint out into my empty water bottle. And going to pull out the black again and just kind of, again, add some depth and some shading to some of the spots. Kind of flipping the canvas around, see what I see. 
I like the way that I was working on it there. And that is a 12 by 16 inch stretched canvas, just one of the basic ones, not a gallery wrapped. And if you're ever switching between, you know, really dark colors and light colors, make sure you do those test sprays because you could end up spraying a color you don't want onto your canvas. And I know at this point, I thought I saw a dog's face in the canvas, and I was going to try to work that in, but I know that I changed my mind. You can almost kind of tell what I'm thinking. Two circular eyes and kind of a droopy nose and face. And the one swirly ear. But the other designs around it really were going to clash with it, so I decided to squash that idea. But like I said, the next airbrush painting I do will have a specific subject or at least something that isn't so abstract. Maybe an abstract background or something like that, but it'll be more defined. This is really just to get the feel of the airbrush and really just see and feel how it works. See how the paint is. Testing some new paints too today on this painting. I think I got four or five new colors that I wanted to try out. But we're going to take it back to the studio and check back in on this painting in a little bit. Coming up, another interview from C2E2 with artist Ashley Erickson, a.k.a. Cloverkin. We will check out that interview right after this short break. budget movie version 60s TV version early 2000s high school pseudo adaption that eventually grows into the geek we all know and love version here yeah. I'm getting paid a lot of money to be here so listen up watch the geektainment channel on newradiomedia.com it's geek approved It's all about you, and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, PodQuesters, where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic, sweeping adventure. We try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on NewRadioMedia.com, Fridays, PodQuesters. See you there.
Hey, you guys, it's Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on new radio media. Turtle power! Ashley Erickson's work was also very unique and was something that stood out from a lot of the others at C2E2. The Cloverkin booth definitely caught my eye and I knew I had to talk to her about her fantasy-inspired animal art. And we're back here on Creative Kaleidoscope at C2E2 in Chicago and I am joined by the wonderful artist Ashley Erickson. Hello a.k.a. Cloverkin. How's your con? It's really good so far. Uh, last weekend was a little rough. We were at a con during Easter, so any family con time is kind of hard. So C2E2 has been pretty good to me. Again, I was here two years ago, and it was great, and this year is great. So it's been wonderful. <laughs> right on, right on. Um, so how did you fall into this fantasy animal mashup realm? Um, well, I draw animals a lot because I love animals a lot, and humans are a little bit harder to understand, a little more complex, uh, but in terms of how I came to be at conventions, I was actually in mobile games for 10 years, and it ended up being kind of a down-poisonous industry based on money, there's no heart to it, so, I mean, literally getting way back to organics. You know, and just based stuff of what I'm into, um, doing the art I've always wanted to do, follow your heart, um, and just being what I wanted to be all along and just embracing that, being poor but being happy, you know? A starving artist is a true story, right? Right. Um, so I was doing a little reading about you and whatnot, and when you were working in gaming, you put out over 15 titles or were part of 15 titles. Uh, what were that? Was that PC games, platform games? Um, with PC for a couple years for the first five probably but after that it was all mobile um, I had worked for companies like NHL PBA Rapala doing a lot of license work but I didn't feel that at all there was one game though I really got to do a lot of what I wanted to I did the backgrounds and the animations all character designs everything basically except for the coding mm -hmm. and it was my baby it was I was so proud of it and then it ended up getting really monetized and it really just killed it so at least I had that one, you know. Right. Uh, but after that, I was like, I don't want to work for other people. I want to do my stuff. I got stubborn, you know. But I mean, to be happy, sometimes you gotta, you know, sacrifice that and do what you gotta do. Right. But yeah. I noticed like a lot of people who have finally decided to, you know, stop. I guess playing the corporate game or whatever like that, and kind of do their own thing. At what point did you decide, like, all right, I'm gonna do my own thing and say whatever to the rest? Uh, I gotta say, I was kind of pushed into it, too, by a couple life events, but they were the one thing that kind of pushed me into the zone, and I was like, all right, I'm just gonna hit it running. I was lucky enough to kind of foresee it coming, so I had a, you know, at least a nest egg, we'll say, built up. Um, so I had a, you know, couple grand, at least, when going into freelance, which you should have. I mean, it's scary, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, and I ended up carving my own business. Luckily, I found a niche, and mm -hmm. I, I jumped on it, I made it my own, and it's doing well. And, you know, the fact that I was able to do that, I think, is a combination of luck and just trying to feel out things and having an intuitive, you know, feeling for what, what people want, right. too. And, you know, that comes with doing a lot of cons, so. So would you say like doing cons and thing like other conventions are the most beneficial avenue to getting your name out there or or like online what what for you worked the best? 
Um, honestly, it's got to be a combination. I feel like if you were just an online presence, you you know you could only go so far. But um, like for me, the past year has mainly been Twitch, mm. and Twitch with their creative section has really helped me and my friends out. Um, and especially with being able to go onto Twitch and then come to a con and be able to meet the people you talk to all the time, every week, mm -hmm. multiple times, it's great. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, you get that, and then if you can just cross over anything, con with online, vice versa, more the stronger. And with artists, it kind of sucks because majority of them are introverts. So you really have to be an ambivert and you know be extroverted when you need to be, and be able to you know do all the social medias, even though they're all it's like a necessary evil. And no one wants to do it. You have to um, to especially get your name out there and keep it going. Keep the momentum. Keep posting. Be consistent. Be frequent. All that stuff. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So it's a combo. Right totally on. a combo. Now, um, you write as well, correct? Mm -hmm. um, have you published any books, things like that? Or are you going to have anything in the future? I published the one. Okay. Uh, and that's yeah, my right, Gregor book. Right, right, it's right, based right. on like Nordic folk tales and stuff like that. Um, but I do have three other ones in the works. However, I'm still balancing my freelance life with, you know, trying to do my personal stories and stuff, which gets hard because you need the money, but you, you know, you have to spend the time to make the new products, which doesn't make any money. Right. So there's totally a very fine balance you need to understand when you're doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as like published actual works, um, I've been a color assistant some things, but as far as writing goes, I think I only had one in an anthology a couple years back. Um, and it was like a girl's guide to guys' stuff. And it was older, it was a comic script, you know, but other than that, nothing yet. But self-publishing does go a long way, yeah. especially if you're out promoting your stuff and yourself. Right. Yeah. Cool. Now, I guess as far as like your process goes when you're writing something, mm -hmm. does your artwork influence the writing or does the writing influence the artwork? You know what I say? What um, feeds what? I would say the you. art usually comes first. Okay. Um, I usually get an image in my head, and depending on the style of the image, if it's more dark, more child-based, you know, whatever, um, that's going to kind of um, depict what the story's going to be. You know, it's going to dictate, well, I'm going to go this way, it's going to be a kid's book. You know, it even will tell me sometimes if it's going to be more of a graphic novel style versus a, you know, like a children's book, you know, picture than some text. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, it can, it can work both ways though. I mean, I've had ideas that I just start writing and then thumbnailing sometimes. It really is just story dependent and what you're feeling at the time and just going with it. Well, we do several podcasts on our platform. We've been here doing some geek podcasts and um, usually on the geek podcast we ask what is your, if you could have one super superpower, what would it be? But on my podcast, I like to ask, if you had one word of advice or one thing to say to aspiring artists, what would what would be that piece Ooh. of advice? I do this all the time on my Twitch too, but uh, if I had to pick one, I would say it's that talent doesn't really exist and that it's skill. So if you really want to give someone a compliment, don't say you're talented because it sounds like it's God-given. You worked at that. You earned that. Um, so if anybody wants to be anything, all it takes is time. You know, I don't think you're born into being a good artist or born into being a musician. You might be more apt to understanding certain elements like color or sound, but for the most part, you can be whatever you want to be. You just have to put the time into it, basically. So if you want to do something, you want to be an artist, 
just start doing it. You know, and if you're like, oh, I can't draw people, I'm bad at it. If you're bad at something, do it more. Don't be afraid of it. You know, you have to, or else you're never going to improve. Right. You know. So. And yeah, I guess too, it's you know, you walk around, especially at places like this, and you're surrounded by so much skill, mm -hmm. and it can be kind of intimidating. Yeah. How do you? How do you get? Do you? Is it? Do you? Do you get past that, or does that? influence does that affect you at all in if anything way? it kind of fires me up but I feel like when people get intimidated by it it's because they're at kind of a beginner level and really um, everyone's on their own journey and I always say this too that you know you can't compare yourself to anyone but yourself who you were yesterday right you begin comparing yourself to someone way up there you're gonna get discouraged you're gonna feel like you're failing never do that only compare yourself to yourself how you're doing today have you done anything today if you're wanting to be an artist or a writer draw or write today you know 30 seconds is better than zero seconds something is better than nothing that motto saved my life for like two years mm -hmm. just start doing anything a doodle on a post-it note a sentence anything you know that's gonna help you more than anything else in the world so when I see other artists here it's more that I want to know what their journey's been like I want to know who they are and get to know them as friends not not necessarily be intimidated or scared of them but to be inspired by them you know because um, we're all in this together especially if you're in a con you know Absolutely. area these are your friends now you know right. you can strengthen numbers they can all help you you can help them it's really reciprocal you know and it's good if you can actually befriend people don't be a jerk you know absolutely. isn't that the number one rule never be a jerk right. so yeah absolutely well so you can find your stuff on cloverkin.com correct uh -huh. and uh -huh. Ashley Erickson thank you so much You're so welcome. it's been a pleasure to talk to you and after the break we'll put the finishing touches on this week's painting it's all about you and that's the way we like it. Where you're going. What you do to stay fit. What you're eating. What you're thinking. And how you're feeling. Join the conversation at NewRadioMedia.com's Lifestyles channel. Stream the life you want to live. At Murray's Park City, we're known for offering customer service you won't get in any chain store or online. But don't take it from me, just listen to what our customers have to say. The employees at Murray's are knowledgeable, courteous. They make you feel like you're at home. Pick up a can of Seafoam Fuel System Treatment for only $6.99 or a 5-quart container of Mobile One Motor Oil for just $28.95. Murray's Park City and Pontiac Trail at Maple Road in Wald Lake. We've got the parts you need when you need them. Why are we here? What makes a person truly good? For those answers, you're going to have to take a philosophy class. But if you're more interested in who would win in a fight between R2-D2 and a Dalek, watch Get It to the Geeks on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. on NewRadioMedia.com. What's going on in your neighborhood? They say it takes a village. Simple things. The things that are a testament to the old. And the things that are a testament to the new. Know what's going on in your community. Check out our 
community channel on NewRadioMedia.com. Hey, you guys, it's Raphael with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on New Radio Media. Turtle Power! Now let's check out how that airbrush painting turned out. And now we're just going to keep working the black around and kind of redefining some of the shapes. And again, a lot of the same, just different maneuvers, different air pressures, different trigger pressures, and different colors. And you can kind of tell the shapes that I really liked because they're the ones that I keep reworking and, and redefining. And you can tell the ones that I don't like either because they kind of look like crap. But we're just going to keep on working it with the black. Add some little swirly, curly cues there. So I think those look kind of cool. And I'm going to add some pearlescent blue. I really like the pearlescence. Those are some of the newer colors that I was trying out. And they just shine. Even off the canvas, on a dull canvas, they just they just shine in the sunlight. They look really, really pretty. And now I'm just reworking the designs. A little test spray. Make sure that everything's spraying how I want it to. And going a little bit thicker in spots that I want to cover up. You can see how the paints really layer well on top of each other. And most of these are actually opaque paints. I've only maybe used a little bit of transparent orange. And some test spray, get the rest of the blue out of there while I re-add some white. The real defining. The white's what's really defining the shapes and lines here. The colors are really more for the background. The black is really the depth. And the white, the white's what's defining the shapes in this abstract piece. At this point, I've gotten pretty familiar with the distance that I like, to work the size lines that I like, and the trigger pressure. And just kind of evening out some lines and shapes. Just nice fluid motions, just 
steady hand. You know, if your hand gets tired, gets cramped, just set your airbrush down, your little airbrush holder, and which is what that painter's tape right next to my elbow is. That's taped down on the table that is the airbrush holder. You need to take a little break. Stretch your fingers, stretch your legs, do what you gotta do. But I'm just redefining these lines with the white. The ones that I like, the shapes that I really like. Nice and tight lines. Close to the canvas. Light trigger pressure. Gives me some smaller, tighter lines. And just nice and steady. Keep the details nice and steady, nice and tight. When you're actually working on it, it actually is kind of hypnotizing if you are working on an abstract piece like this and just kind of letting your hands and body just, just take over just kind of letting the, the paint handle take you where it takes you. You can kind of get it almost into a, a meditative state. Now I'm just kind of emptying the excess paint back out and getting some black in there. Trying to get a particular effect with the black, but it's not really working. Trying to spray the black shape. It's trying to spray black out in sort of a drippy fashion. But it's not working how I want it to. And I'm just trying some different ways to do that. This keeps frustrating me more and more. And like I said, make sure you have your your paper towel or your rag real close by so if you do mess up wipe it off there real quick because that airbrush paint dries fast and now I'm going to have to refill in with some color where I screwed up what you didn't see there was me changing the colors out again with the white to bring back the shapes that I messed up before and again the shapes have even changed a little bit since there right, just keep working it in nice smooth lines some swirlies and that's that pearlescent purple that I used to cover up my mistakes. But I kind of have an idea of how I want to go about adding the black that I was trying to add before. That's one thing I was thinking about while I was 
re-adding the white and the color. Adding some more swirls in there. Filling up some more of the lines. And working the white. And I think this will be the last layer of white that I use. And just making sure the lines are even. And now I'm adding the starting points of where I want my black drips to be. Just kind of evenly spreading them out. And now I'm just pouring a little bit of paint directly on those spots and shaking the canvas. Just really wiggling it around and moving the paint on there. So I'm gonna add it in a few other spots and spots that I had already started. Some of the drops are thicker than others. Just gonna shake. So really shake it and hit it. See how that paint is just kind of spreading at random all over. Just truly abstract. Just really just letting the paint do what it wants to do. Some more drops here and there. Kind of want them spaced evenly. I still want to be able to see the background. And making sure I don't get paint all over the room, but you know, it's a painter's room, so so be it. And I'm actually really liking how this is starting to look. As far as an abstract painting goes, add a couple more drops of paint where I think they would look good. They'll probably be my final drops. And now time for the signature. Name and date. Initials and date really is my signature. And you can really get a good look at the finished abstract painting and that's us working with the airbrush painting thanks for tuning in as always thank you very much for checking out the show this week and remember i would love to see some of the artwork that you are creating feel free to share it with us on the creative kaleidoscope facebook page at ck podcast or on twitter at ck vidcast if there are any episodes you have missed, remember you can watch those episodes anytime on demand at newradiomedia.com or download the app from our app store. Just search NRM Streams with a Z. I'll see all of you, same time, same place, only here on New Radio Media. Peace.